Welcome to Crime and Reason on Talk Zone, bringing you the backstory in high profile crimes that television leaves out. Now, here are the hosts of Crime and Reason, John Kelly and Leo Badenhausen. Good evening, everyone. Welcome back to Crime and Reason. I'm Leo Battenhausen. Yes, welcome, welcome. Good evening. I'm John Kelly. And uh, we're glad to be back. And uh, hope you all had a good week and um, are having a good week. John, we got big news this week. I think the world is watching what's going on with this uh, German Wings Flight 9525 that, that crashed last week in the uh, French Alps. And the uh, the responsible co-pilot for this, Andreas Lubitz, or Lubitz, 27-year-old guy who uh, locked out the pilot of the plane in order to crash the plane. And our hearts and prayers go out to every single person on that flight. There was 149 dead and 150, including the co-pilot who caused the crash. So we want to let, Yeah. I mean, another, another tragedy. We're hearing about these plane crashes like all the time, but this one, you know, and we, I mean, think automatically our, our minds nowadays go to terrorists and, uh, you know, that sort of thing. But this was no terrorist situation here. This was a crime. This was a true crime. And there's, I have a lot of, lot of questions and a lot of issues I want to bring up. And, uh, yeah, this was a crime. And, and now we want to look for the reason. That's what we're here to do. Look at the crime and reason. Now, I want to talk a little bit about this guy, Andreas Lubitz. John, you know, you, you know. Let me talk about first. German Wings is a, is a, is a subsidiary of Lufthansa Airlines. Okay, right. They are a subsidiary, and which means they're a cheaper a cheaper flight company or cheaper airlines. But they're under the umbrella of a, the huger one, Lufthansa. All right. Now, mm-hmm. Andreas apparently had dreams of becoming, well, all his life, this, this guy wanted to be a pilot. And he had dreams of becoming a, uh, you know, top dog pilot for Lestanza. Mm-hmm. However, yeah. there's a history of treatment for some, some you know, we will get to all of it and why, but he has some sort of medical condition that was keeping him from becoming the full dream pilot he, ever, he always wanted to be. So we're seeing that something happened, must have happened along the line where Lustanza said, no, this is my guess. Lustanza denied it or turned him down. They threw him a bone on this cheaper German Wings Airlines as a co-pilot. And that's probably as far as he was going to go. The guy could fly a plane, get me wrong. But this other stuff seems to be in the background of him. And it was very secretive and nobody's really coming forward uh, with what it was. But we got news today. Just this morning, um, this uh, information came out that uh, he was receiving psychotherapy um, with a uh, with a note about suicidal tendencies, John, for yeah, several years. <laughs> for several years, me. that's flooring. Yeah. Okay, so this is it. It finally came out today. He was receiving psychotherapy, quote unquote, with a note about tendencies, suicidal tendencies, for several years before becoming a pilot. All right. In the following period and until further doctor's visits took place, resulting in sick notes without any suicidal tendencies or aggression against others being recorded. The prosecutor's uh, spokesman, Ralph Herrenbrook, 
you know, said in a written statement. So this guy's got a history of suicidal tendencies. There we yeah, go. he's got a he's got a history of suicidal tendencies, and you know, I have to wonder uh, why the doc that was treating him wouldn't put two and two together and say, well, you know, uh, you, you're, you're suffering from suicidal tendencies. You know, uh, maybe you, uh, you know, have too, uh, too sensitive of a job and maybe, and, and ultimately I guess that's what happened with the note they found, but you know, you have too sensitive a job to have suicidal tendencies. I mean, you wouldn't want your bus driver picking up your kids in the morning to have suicidal tendencies. You know, but but this was see what what's up. What's leaving me in alert here, Leo, is why the doctor or whoever diagnosed this did not follow through. Because we have a duty to warn if a person's going to harm himself or, or be harmful to others. And the very fact this guy's suicidal and flying in an airplane is pretty scary. Well, it is. But you know what I think, too? Like, in, in was this something that was just missing? Like we, we would think of suicidal people not taking the lives of 149 people with them. Now, right. I, get the, I get the job stress. And he mentioned that. Uh, his, I want to talk about his girlfriend in a bit because she gave some very chilling information. But if a doctor's seeing a, a pilot, you know, or a bus driver, um, you know, anybody that would transport numbers of people, and they're complaining of suicide, suicidal tendencies because of stress, I don't know if the doctor's first thought would be they're going to pull a plane down out of the air. Now, you know, they think you're going to commit suicide. You do it on your own normally. You don't kill other people with you unless. You're like these school killers we've been seeing in the past that want to go down in a blaze of glory, and we'll get to that. But the other thing that's important here to me is if we're going to give a guy a license, or a woman a license for that matter, to fly a, a long tube bus of 300 or 400 people, 50,000 feet in the air, shouldn't we have some kind of system in place where we get a background check on their psychiatric history? I don't, I mean, we'd have to have a gun, to get a gun, you need this. You need to get a job anywhere else you need to get this. Why is it if we're flying planes, there wasn't some extensive research done on this? And if they did know something was amiss, we're throwing him, a, if, if, if this, I'm just alleging this myself, throwing him the bone of a co-pilot's position on a cheaper airlines, what does that say? Yeah, and it, well, he, here's where I'm at. First of all, I'm not sure how cheap that airline is. That being said, okay, I know it's a subsidiary of Lufthansa, and it looks like a step down, you yes. know, but I we don't know what exactly what the dollars are there. No, 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 we don't. But anyway, when you look at uh, what this uh, person alleged, not suicidal thoughts, Leo, or suicidal ideations, mm -hmm. the wording is suicidal tendencies. Now, does that mean, you know, there was a couple failed attempts? Possible. <laughs> yeah. Because tendency is a lot different than thought no, or radiation. Right. You know? That is true. That so is very I, true. I've been wondering, uh, you know, I, I, just real, I just really believe there's a whole lot more here that's not coming out that hasn't come out yet on this guy. Well, you know, and I, I really believe, like you do, that he went down in a blaze of glory for no other reason other than he wanted to satisfy his narcissistic 
supply or his narcissistic personality, however you want to, however you want to serve it up. Because he had these dreams and visions of becoming the super pilot. And somewhere along the line, that was kiboshed. So, right, he was going to show them, quote, unquote, you know, what, what you did to me. Because, um, right, a pathology, darker than you know, despair, had to be at work here to, um, you know, to cause this to happen. It's not depressed people in general. Most, I mean, I worked, you and I have worked with depressed people most of our lives. Mm-hmm. I, I just don't, I've never, ever, ever seen cases or heard of cases where people with simple depression are going to take people down with them, unless there's more to them meets the eye in their pathology. Absolutely. And, and the vast majority, vast, vast, vast majority of depressed people do not commit suicide. And the vast, 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 vast majority of depressed people that do commit suicide don't take somebody else with them. Correct. They Correct. go along. You know what the irony of this uh, part of what I was reading here? On this guy's Facebook profile page, uh, Andreas Lubitz, he's, he's posing smiling by the Golden Gate Bridge. You know <laughs> what that – the Golden Gate Bridge, that's like the most popular place in the world to commit suicide. How ironic is this? Wow. You know, wow, yeah. wow, wow, Okay, it is the Yeah, most yeah, yeah, right. I didn't was, think of that. Great, good catch. Yeah. foreshadowing, you know, more than 1,600 people have killed themselves by jumping from that bridge um, mm-hmm. since 1937. But anyway, yeah, how ironic is that? Or, you know, was that a clue? Was that a foreshadowing of what was to come? Yes, yes. And I'll tell you what could have been another clue, too. His girlfriend alleges that he was having night terrors or nightmares uh, where he was waking up screaming or uh, extremely upset that he was visualizing himself dying in a plane crash. That's true, right? Mm-hmm. And, 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 you know, if we had Sigmund Freud sitting next to us now, He'd be saying, you know, how dreams are wishes, okay? Mm-hmm. And a lot of the time, you know, what you're dreaming is more of a wish. And this looks like a self-fulfilling prophecy. I mean, this this fits right in. I mean, this guy's having all this, all these night terrors and nightmares about dying in a plane crash. What does he do? He crashes a plane and kills himself and everybody else. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. And um, Talk about a self-fulfilling prophecy. Well, yeah, and the the build news build newspaper, uh, in I think it was in, in France, B I L D, they interviewed a woman by the pseudonym Maria W, who was apparently his ex girlfriend, mm-hmm. and um, she said when she heard about the crash, she remembered a sentence. He said, "One day I'll do something that will change the system, and then everyone will know my name and remember it." There it is. Now, there it is. That, that, there right, it now, is. You see the similarities, too, though, John, between like this type of event or slaughter, you know, and, and the, like the school killings or the movie theater killings or the mass shootings and then the suicide at the end. Yeah, absolutely. Like, there's no there's absolutely no question about it. This guy here, I have to tell you, wanted infamy. He was focused on infamy. He wanted to be remembered. Now, keep in mind that in his uh, early years and maybe even up to president or, or to present, I'm sorry, he was president of a flying club where he uh, 
lived by and where he learned how to fly. I mean, uh, you know, this guy really stood out there in a lot of different ways. Uh, I, I, I truly believe that this guy was just focused, just focused on, you know, feeding that narcissism and, 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 and just going into history uh, you know, uh, filled with, uh, filled with infamy and, and, and would be known forever in which he, which he is known forever. And he will he be is. known forever. He, he will, will be known forever. You know, mm-hmm. and the, the girlfriend also said she didn't know what he meant by that statement at the time, but it had become obvious to her. Uh, she said, and I quote, he did, he did it because he realized that due to his health problems, his big dream of working at Lufthansa of having a job as a pilot and as a pilot on long distance flights was nearly impossible. There it so is. So again, I ask where, if that became impossible, who knew about something in this company? Yeah, well, see, that's what I'm waiting for. I'm waiting to find out exactly if there's any dirt that's being covered up there has because to it be. does not it does not make sense to me this guy they could say how depressed he was they could say how psychotic he was they could say whatever they want about him i'm going to tell you that this murderous crime was premeditated okay he was extremely organized and waited for that pilot to leave, to go for a bathroom break. And then he set up the computer and reprogrammed the computer to dive down to 100 feet, okay, which would be crash city time, all right? This guy was extremely premeditative and he was extremely organized. And uh, the bottom line is, this guy's a mass murderer. Now, let me let me bring you to another area, too. As you talk about these kids that go in and they shoot all these other kids uh, with these, uh, you know, Columbine, with these school shootings, then they kill themselves. Well, let's look at this plane. Let's, for one second, not look at it as a plane. Let's look at it as a warehouse, just a warehouse. And let's look at, some disgruntled employee for whatever reason mm. coming back mm-hmm. from lunch with a newsy machine gun or something and wipes out 150 people. Okay. So the point I'm trying to make is we've seen this and then commit suicide. We've seen seen this so many times in workforce violence, people going postal. They call it people going postal because it started off yeah. in the post office. Yeah. But this this is why I believe there has to be some kind of bone of contention with this airline because he took it out on the people, you know, for his own infamy, you know, to become uh, infamous. And he also took it out on this airline. So, I mean, and all these families, there are many victims here. This guy created many, many victims. Why why, why? And I, I'm hoping we get more answers, uh, you know, sooner than later so we could stay on top of this. Well, a, a little indication to that might, might well, here's a piece of maybe why. Uh, the girlfriend also said that they, they, they talked a lot about the, the work, the, his job, and, 
And then he, he would become different, she said, when they talked about the work. He, would, she, she used, to, he used to scare her because of his mood changing. And he would huh. become, he'd become upset about the conditions they worked under. Uh, too little money, fear of losing the contract, too much pressure. Oh, here okay? we go. So there we go. You know, so we're seeing some of the connections. However, again, I go back to how does the who in the airline system knew something about this that was blocking him from achieving his ultimate goal? They must. Why can't he get promoted then? If if he has a medical condition, okay, we know that. He can't get to where he wants to be as a international pilot. We know right. that. Right. Why was that? Right. if that was being stopped, and instead they gave him a secondary job to do less work? Who? Where did that decision come from? Somebody gave him a, a license to kill. Yeah. Why? And why? Why did they make that decision to give him a lesser position? Right, and that's what I was hoping is going to come out too. I don't, these, this airline's got to be under the gun now. To um, see, they're, they're oh, going to focus. Well, they're going to focus on time. the health problems now, John. The stress, and you know, the, it's going to be the big blame game as to who, you know, who, what doctor didn't say this or what doctor didn't say that. And I just, you can see it coming. Well, bottom line, and you and I have been through this many times in the past. If we've gotten a referral, let's say from a pharmaceutical company. Where somebody has a sensitive type of job, maybe mixing medications or whatever. Maybe they're involved in the manufacturing of the pharmaceuticals, right? Yeah. So that's kind of a sensitive job. Certainly, it's not flying 150 people, you know, thousands of miles an hour through the air or something. But the point I'm trying to make, or uh, thousands of miles uh, above the ground, but the point I'm trying to make is you and I both know they would go to human resources in, in their uh, yes. corporation. Yes. Human resources would refer them to us. They would sign a release with human resources to give human resources information. They would sign a release. We would make them sign a release with us to give human resources information. Therefore, if we found that the guy was self-destructive or woman was self-destructive in any way, we could report that back to human resources. So, you know, in this case, a pharmaceutical company, so that in his sensitive position, he wouldn't be, you know, screwing up uh, a batch of pharmaceuticals that could hurt a lot of people. So I have to, where was human resources here with this airlines and everything? I mean, how, what's their procedure? How do they do this? I mean, how how do you how do you keep track of somebody that you may suspect is having even suspect is having Correct. some kind of problem? There should I be. I don't care if it's overstress. It's a problem. Exactly, and there should be absolutely no delay or no 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 concerns whatsoever of pulling that person off their work duty until they find out exactly what's going on. And we uh, do it with cops. You've done it with cops, Leo. We do it with cops all the time. We do it with truck drivers all the time. Yeah, all the time. Department of Transportation here is very strict. If a, if a, somebody's suspected of drinking or has some kind of emotional disorder, they're out. They're out. They're out of work until they get get thing gets rectified by you know a licensed doctor or a licensed therapist or whoever. Somebody's got to make that determination. And and somebody dropped the ball here, boy. And I'll tell you what, it's just it's very scary and a big ball at that to have 150 people dead. 
um, for absolutely no reason except for this guy's, you know, intense sense of um, anger and, and narcissism and sickness. There's a yeah, big difference yeah. between depression and deranged. Yeah, no, this guy was uh, suicidal, but he was homicidal as well. You know, Jennifer Wilde is a psychologist that was interviewed, and she said this event may have been triggered by a recent traumatic situation and medication because I understand this guy was on medication as well. Late, well, I'll yeah. tell you, I'll tell you, if this guy lost his girlfriend and then he thought he was going to lose his job and he was blaming the airlines in any which way for it. I mean, this this starts to, uh, you know, uh, show a perfect scenario. That's that's a very good point. You're absolutely right. And the, the girlfriend and him broke up in 2014. I'm not sure when in 2014, if it was towards the end of the year or not, but we're soon into uh, early into 2015. So that's a very, very possible uh, situation you just brought up, John. The girlfriend who was also, she was a flight attendant. So ah. I guess the, yeah, I guess they might have worked together, but she he scared her so much she had to get out. And th that combination... Of the work, stress, and the anger, and the girlfriend leaving him, certainly. Maybe he was showing her, too, I'm going to be somebody big. He told her he was going to do it. And, uh, yeah, yeah, he was going to do something big. He was going to be remembered. Mm-hmm. But see, this is certainly will. It's important, you know, we, you know, to think about, not think about this, you know, as, as depression, because, you know... It can't explain how, you know, Lubitz could have been so indifferent to the terror, you know, of the others aboard, you know. And we got to keep um, keep in mind that the, the, these deaths should in no way stigmatize the, the millions and millions of other people in the world who suffer from depression. Exactly. And, there's, you know? and, and, and we don't want to stigmatize the airlines or pilots either. There's great airlines out there. There's great pilots out there. Of course. And Lufthansa. Lufthansa. Up to this point, and again, I don't know exactly what happened here. It happened to be a great airline, so I just really don't understand all this. I'm, I'm hoping uh, they'll come forward with more information if they have any. Yeah, well, I'm, uh, I hope so, too. The other part of this, too, was the safety device, you know, that, that kept him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, that door was meant to keep people out. Yeah. And it did, but yeah, I guess sure no, one ever, no one ever thought that the pilot might be. The, the terrorist or the, this kind of deranged monster that would do such a thing. Mm -hmm. I guess we live and learn, and, you know, this is a, what a price to pay to learn this one. But yeah. um, he, this guy knew that plane inside out, too. And uh, I can't, I just, I can't, I feel for these people. Can you imagine going, getting on a plane in the morning and just going on your trip and a short flight? And, and you, just, you just can't imagine how, how frightening and how sad it must be for families to hear this. You can't, you can't imagine it because it had to be horrifying for those passengers in that airplane to be descending like that and heading towards the ground and certain death with a frantic pilot screaming and hollering and banging something off the cabin door trying to get in and mm -hmm. they're just, they're just waiting for the impact, you know, because what I've heard Time and time and time again, it's not death that really upsets people that are going to die as much as it is the fear of death. And uh, I'll tell you, can you imagine waiting eight minutes 
for certain death. I mean, my God, that I, I that, that 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 has to be, uh, you know, just just off the chart. This cruelty, this type of cruelty, uh, and inhumanity is absolutely off the charts. And this was no helter skelter situation with this guy. I mean, mm-hmm. this was this was extremely uh, methodical and uh, well planned. It had to be, right? I mean, absolutely. You know, the way he did it. And he, like he's, like we said, he, he knew that plane inside out. He knew how to, he somehow re- reconnected or redirected the computer system to do what he wanted the plane to do. And, you know, he planned this out to the, to the last dollar here. Mm-hmm. And um, just very, very incredible. And the world mourns with these people. But like several reports, they said, he, you know, he, he had, was in training for, um, to become the pilot, and he took some time off for a medical condition. Um, mm-hmm. It's been revealed, though, that he was out for uh, a depressive episode. That's what interrupted the pilot training. I mean, just I, they're, I, they're using the wrong word here, John, and I, that's that really concerns me because you know depression is one of my specialties. And I know it is. You wrote and, a great book on it, defeating depression. Well, it's a great book, and people should buy it, read it. Well, thank you, and it has helped many people. But you know, I know this stuff. It's, this guy was not. If he was depressed, it was on the bottom of the list. But he was just an angry, narcissistic psychopath who was, you know, like a spoiled child. And he wanted what he wanted, and he was going to get it no matter what it took. He even it took 449 people with him. Yeah, psychopath, sociopath, mass murderer, you know, whatever you want to call it. Do you think, I, I want to throw this out of you because you're more the expert on this end of it than I am. Do you think he could have been bipolar? And could you explain what bipolar is to the audience? Well, there's different forms of bipolar disorder, but in general, uh, in layman's terms, bipolar is really means both sides of the pole. Okay, so in other words, a person can go from being extremely, ma- uh, I use the word manic, it used to be yeah, called manic yeah. depression, but manic-y, full of energy, full of un- unnatural feelings of ability and superiority and superpowers uh, and to the other side of the pole which is extreme depression and suicidal tendencies or thoughts and just a, a complete major depression episode now and there's different levels not all sometimes bipolar people can have psychosis along with it sometimes they don't so mm-hmm. in other words they can hallucinate uh, if they have the psychosis with them they can hallucinate uh, they can hear voices when they're in a psychotic mode or a, a manic mode hear voices, see things. They can think the CIA is after them. They become paranoid, a lot like schizophrenia. Um, but then they crash eventually and they, you know, they can, oh, they could also become sexually preoccupied when they're on that high. They can become religiously preoccupied, you know, believe they have to save the world. And, you know, and, and Jesus Christ is talking to him, telling him what to do or what her, what her to do. And, and then the crash on the other side of that is usually the depression, which doesn't include usually uh, psychosis right um so it is i don't know if this guy was bipolar john i don't see that because okay. you know i mean i just from his history he's I mean, he certainly could have been he's 27 years old and for most males the onset well very possible you know bringing that up as his age the onset for most males for schizophrenia or bipolar disorder is usually 18 to 21 mm-hmm. so, and if he was experiencing the, the if he was um be, you know, on the onset of a bipolar episode, he could have kept that under wraps 
pretty well for four or five years, or even you know, if maybe he was, maybe he's just getting. I mean, there's no written stone time when people um, have their first breakdown. Mm-hmm. So that that's a very good possibility, absolutely. On second thought now, in hindsight, because of his age. Yeah, but, I'm thinking. I, I wanted to run that by. It was just something that jumped into my mind. Is this a possibility? And you know, the other thing that that uh, stood out to me and why it led me to kind of think that a little bit was. I saw where it was in the news where it was alleged that he was given an intravenous shot of an antipsychotic. And I'm thinking to myself, you know, when when you talk about, you know, uh, antipsychotics, you're talking about somebody that's either in a break or could be going into a break or has breaks or something. But, you know, this, this shot of this medication, I'm, it'll be interesting to find out what kind of medication that was. You got any guesses? I want to talk about that as soon as we come back from the break, John. We got to take a quick Okay, one. great. We'll be right back. Extra Healthcare Services was founded in 1991 by Executive Director John Kelly. Our outpatient drug and alcohol counseling centers provide an individualized approach to treatment with a strong emphasis on building self-esteem in our clients and helping empower them to take effective control of their lives. Our program has had an extremely high success rate because our board-certified and licensed counselors and psychologists design a program just for you or your family member to help deal with alcohol and drug abuse. We specialize in addictive illness in both adults and adolescents. Our entire team is committed to helping you or a family member become healthy. Our alcohol and drug abuse counseling centers are located in Middlesex, Monmouth, and Union Counties with both day and evening appointments available. Call 732-721-3835 or email us at info at extracarehealth.com. That's 732-721-3835 or info at extracarehealth.com. Now, back to John and Leo for more Crime and Reason on TalkZone.com. All right, we are back. I'm Leo Battenhausen here with my partner in crime and figuring out the reasons, John Kelly. Hello, everyone. And hope I'm glad you're sticking with us here tonight for our, uh, our Crime and Reason show. John, you mentioned before the break an injectable antipsychotic. Right. Okay, I do know some. Hist- I, I've had a client that I used to take in when I worked in the community mental health field. We would have to go to the center once a month for a antipsychotic injection. Okay, mm-hmm. so he got it once a month. So I, I believe it was Thorazine, mm-hmm. but I can't say for sure. But there is absolutely positively a monthly shot. For, and they're really for medical and medication resistant clients. The ah. ones, okay, the ones that don't normally take their meds every day, which is most people with major mental illnesses. But it did work, you know. And he, I, I believe it was Thorazine, and I could do some research and find out. But so if he was getting a monthly shot, that can be an indication of many things: mm-hmm. uh, yeah, medication non-compliance. Or, you know, just a way to treat whatever psychosis he was having, um, you know, via uh, uh, intravenous um, medication or sorts. They yeah, found, they found med- medications in his apartment, right, when they searched. I yeah, know they I think they found, uh, I, I, you know, what we know so far 
is to speculating heavily on antidepressants, okay. which are not antipsychotics, but they're no. antidepressants. So, you know, this guy had a hell of a lot more going on with him as far as I'm concerned than uh, depression. I mean, this guy's a sociopath, psychopath, and, uh, you know, suicidal. I mean, it, this this, <laughs> this well, guy's uh, he's got a plethora of... Uh, you know, different mental illnesses. Well, I think that absolutely. But I think, though, he's, you know, he's presenting himself to these doctors with this stress complaints, complaints of stress, complaints of depression, suicidal tendencies or thoughts. What's the first diagnosis you're going to run to? You tell me. Right. Right. De- depression. Right. right. Depression. But you know, we don't know what he's telling the doctors outside of that. And we can only go by what our clients tell us. Yeah. So I don't I don't know if this guy was telling his doctor he had visions of crashing his plane yeah, out. Yeah. Who the hell knows? So it, probably not. If they're anti- giving him antidepressants, but there's also some kind of indication of antipsychotics, there's a hell of a lot more going on here. And we, uh, There's a hell of a lot more going on. And any doctor, uh, I know they don't take uh, courses on common sense in medical school. <laughs> But no. any any doctor with any common sense whatsoever, when he finds out what the guy does for a living, you know, would, uh, you know, somehow put a stop to that and get in touch with the, uh, you know, the employer. I mean, to to turn around and to give a man a note saying that he is unfit for duty, if that in fact happened to somebody that's supposed to be severely depressed and the expectation that he's going to carry that note into his employer, which is his dream job, you know, that he wants to advance in and become a a pilot for Lufthansa. I mean, this doctor has got to be sick himself. This, if this doctor knew this and gave him this and expected him to hand deliver this to his, to his employer. Hey, here I am. I want to give you this note from my doctor. He wants you to fire me. You know, I mean, would you please fire me? I'm really severely depressed. Would you fire me and make it worse? I just lost my girlfriend. You know, I mean, you know, this is insane. (laughs) It is insane. But we don't know though. But if, uh, if he had taken time off, you know, he had these medical notes they found too in the garbage can at his apartment. They were torn up or something. I don't know if he's ever used them. You know, maybe they were, you know, he needs some time off for medical purposes. It could be stated as such, and they don't, they don't even ask why. I don't know, but you're right. Anybody that thinks that they're going to give a guy like this a note. <laughs> that, yeah, that he's I mean, all this pathology, yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, and I mean, he, I mean, you know, I mean, oh, you're really depressed. Well, here's some antidepressants. Now, let me give you this note, and I'll make you even worse. I'll make your depression even worse. You think you were depressed before you walked in here? What do you see at the leave? I mean... This is crazy. It's really crazy, and on many, many levels. And you know, this this catastrophe it's it's produced it's produced a classic reversal of logic in a lot of ways too. You know, the, aside from him, you know, they, the steps were taken after nine uh, eleven to make cockpits safe against terrorists, and uh, the reinforced locked cockpit door has it's un- unwitting, unwittingly now turned out to make it safe for a, for a demented pilot to do what he wants. You know, so we. You know, it's yeah. it's just a lot of lot of crazy things, and we're learning. You can't yeah. stop these things if they're going to happen. I guess, and that's the, the really unfortunate part of this. 
No, and, and I mean, you can only uh, live and learn and, and try and protect yourself from the worst and hope for the best in this type of situation. Uh, I got to tell you, though, this guy was definitely, definitely, definitely um, way, 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 way out there. And there's, they're going to have to continue and do a psychological autopsy before this is finished. I mean, they're going to have to go back and they're going to have to look at every single uh, step that this guy took for the last 10 years. I mean, because uh, yeah. this was really, really, uh, you know, horrific. I mean, th th this, is th th this, this is one of the most horrific crimes I've ever heard about. I agree. And we'll, we're going to keep on this and we'll keep you posted on any new information we get over the course of this week, of which I'm sure there's going to be plenty. And uh, so stand by for that. I want to talk about an email we got for you, John. And then we're going to. Oh. Yes, here uh, we got a okay. message for you uh, on uh, crimeandreason.com. If anybody wants to get in touch with us, this, well, the site is crimeandreason.com. All one long three words. Uh, and then we're going to talk about the Kathy Rowe case. Some people might be interested in hearing. Crazy one that is. But let me get to this question. Uh, this is from uh, a Marion in Elizabethtown, Pennsylvania. Yeah, hi, Marion. Hi, Marion. Hope you're listening. Good Mr. Evening. Kelly, Mr. Kelly, I truly enjoyed your show, Dark Minds, on Investigation Discovery Channel, as I enjoy all the shows on Investigation Discovery Channel. But I was always disappointed when there was no answer to the featured featured killer who you were searching for. How does that affect you as a profiler? Yes, that's and I'll from tell you, Mary in there. Thanks, Mary. Yeah, that's a that that's a great, 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 great question because I have to tell you that for me personally, and for the team that I worked with, it was a bitter bittersweet situation because we're working cold cases, cases that at the very least are 20 some years old, some were 30 years old. I think one may have even been 40 years old. And those cases are the hardest to solve. The older it cases, the hardest it is to solve. Mm -hmm. And, you know, they don't get paid a lot of attention. Uh, we, uh, I myself personally, uh, wanted some type of resolution. I mean, I always wanted that since I've been doing this job. I wanted to get in on a case. I wanted to find that uh, serial killer and I wanted him to be arrested and, sure. then, uh, and then tried and, uh, and convicted. Unfortunately, you know, the way it works is, you know, profilers cannot put the cuffs on anybody. It's up to the police who mm -hmm. have the case, law enforcement that's working the case. They're the ones that, you know, have to make the arrest. And it's it's very, very frustrating for them. It's very frustrating for us. For me personally, it's, uh, it's, it's sad not to have some resolution and resolution for the family. On the other side of that, Dark Minds will go down as a classic series. And I, I'll tell you why. Because it gave the, a voice to the dead. The victims ended up having a voice through us yeah. 30, yeah. 20, 30, 40 years later because we had not forgot them. Yeah. 
We had not forgotten their families, and we put the information out there, hoping to jog somebody's memory and have somebody come forward. Now, I will tell you that cold cases get solved all the time. The cops get a break from here, there, wherever. It just happens. And we got a lot of tips on dark minds. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, really. That's great. A lot of tips that went over to law enforcement. So who knows? We know one of the Tory Pines uh, murders, and that's uh, Tory Pines down by San Diego, California. We know one of the murders was solved there. Claire Ho, her name was. Mm-hmm. And uh, Dark Minds played a role in that. And Because when yeah. Dark Minds comes to town on a cold case murder, guess what we bring with us? Pressure. Pressure on law enforcement. That's not intentionally, not intentionally. Right. But we do because now we're going to showcase, you know, this murder and uh, cold case. And, uh, you know, the light's going to be shining not only on us and on the victim and their family, but on, on the local law enforcement. Why it hasn't been solved yet. Yeah, well, that that is very important. And I, you're right. You know, these shows were on. Uh, you know, we all we all want a beginning and a, and a middle and an end, but we don't know if there is an end yet. So we, what you've done is plant a lot of seeds out there for people, and it may just jog memories. And I really hope you do. And I'm glad to hear you got so many tips because that's what it was all about in my mind. Right? Is is getting information Ab- out there? Absolutely, keeping the case alive, even though the victim has been dead for thirty, forty years, and the families are so grateful. So grateful. And and I was so honored, extremely honored. Well, you did a great job. To work with these survivors and family members, uh, you know, just just absolutely incredible. And, you know, that's why they're called cold cases because they haven't been solved yet. But I I never give up on them. You never know. All it takes is a hair, all it Mm -hmm. takes is a tip. Yeah. All it takes is a thread, a little bit of DNA. And bang, you can solve a 30-year-old case real fast. Absolutely. And uh, you got to keep on it, John. You did a great job on that Thank show. you. Thank uh, you. I'm, I really, I really appreciate that. Thank you. Yeah. And it was uh, always a pleasure to watch. Um, we're going to take another short break, and we're going to finish up with, uh, with the uh, Kathy Rose story. Stand by. We'll be right back. We are raising a generation of techno-savvy and social media-obsessed kids. There's a lack of real human connection and concern for our fellow man. Social Side, How America is Loving Itself to Death by licensed clinical social worker Leo J. Battenhausen explores the new generation of young people and how they are turning into godless people with narcissistic and psychopathic tendencies. Americans have become so obsessed with themselves that their country's once great bedrock of dignity and respect is crumbling from underneath us right before our eyes. Isn't it time that we regained our confidence in spirituality and the existence of a higher power? This and so much more is explored in the book Social Side, How America is Loving Itself to Death by licensed clinical social worker Leo J. Battenhausen. Social Side is available on Amazon.com, BarnesandNoble.com, FaithBooksAndMore.com, and SocialSideInfo.com. Social Side, How America is Loving Itself to Death by Leo J. Battenhausen. Welcome back to Crime and Reason on TalkZone.com. Here are your hosts, John Kelly and Leo Battenhausen. 
Welcome back, folks. Welcome we back. back. Thanks for sticking with us. Yeah, God, sorry. Hope you enjoyed the show so far. <laughs> well, we got a. This is a really scary kind of a story here. Um, imagine yourself buying your uh, buying a house. You you have a wife, a pregnant wife. You're a, you're a teacher, um, and you have a little a little toddler, and you, you buy yourself a house. And this how this house happened to be in. Uh, in a, a part of San Diego called the Carmel Valley, okay. These people bought this house, and uh, there was um, there was a bit of a bidding war uh, between them and Kathy Rowe, and Kathy Rowe lost the bidding war. Okay, that happens. So <laughs> you know that happens. That's life, isn't it? Well, apparently, uh, th- this couple, this young couple, Jerry Rice and his wife Janice Reuter. Uh, moved into the house, and they uh, and, and they, before long they they started uh, getting these getting their mail stopped. They were getting sent religious missionaries to their door. And the, the the house was listed um, as as being uh, up for sale again on a real estate website with with the broker's name being Jocks Arse. Okay. <laughs> well, Jocks you're talking about bizarre. Arse. Oh, bizarre. From Arsehole Realty. Arsehole okay? Realty. So you know they got this. They got the message. Some somebody was trying to send them a message. This couple, you know, and at first they didn't really think too much of it, but uh, before long that message became increasingly threatening to them. Mm-hmm. All right, have you, have you heard about the story, John? Yes, I okay. have, and I'll tell you what. This Kathy Rowe, I mean, is uh, one of the most uh, scariest. And bizarre cases I've ever heard about, because what she did to this uh, to this young couple, Jerry Rice and Janice Reuter, was unconscionable. I mean, this is this looks to me like just a spoiled type of woman who's filled with borderline rage or some kind of rage oh, that she would reach out and and attack these kids and torment them and torture them and you know turning around and making them targets you know and and they didn't know who was making them a target right. i mean you know stuff was uh being sent to their house and to their neighbors they you know this Kathy Rose sent valentine cards valentine's day cards from Jerry Rice to his neighbors, girlfriends, yeah. and wives. <laughs> you, know, the, yeah, the, well, you know, the guy was coming over to give him a beating. His next door neighbor was coming over to give him a beating. Yeah. He was pissed off. He was angry because he figured that, that uh, Jerry Rice is trying to make his wife, you know, send her Valentine's Day card. Well, it gets I mean, worse. It gets worse, John. Yes, this woman, this this uh, is um, Roe. This was her dream house. Okay, she apparently said she'd been looking for years. She saw over a hundred homes, but this was the one she had to have, you know. And it just got worse because uh, what happened was they started noticing uh, their uh, declining credit accounts. You know, the couple had you know never tried to open accounts, but they were being denied. All these uh, these credit companies were sending them letters. Um, so the, um, Mr. Rice, he went online, looked up his wife's name on the internet, and he and he couldn't believe what he found. He found her, her picture and their home address attached to it to an event called Janice Reuter's Freak Show. Right? Unbelie- unbelievable, unbelievable. Yeah, asking strangers to drop by and perform sexual acts on his wife while he was away at work. Yeah, rape her. She liked to be raped. Yeah, he told me that the, the article was like 
if force force your way in the house and find me. And if I if I act like I don't want it, I just keep pushing him on. In other words, rape me. Rape this woman me. Is rape me. Psychopathic, scary. You know, the talk about the neighbor next door. I mean, this woman was out of control because she lost a bidding war. Yeah, uh, yeah, un- I mean, unbelievable. Her, this, unbelievable. And I, and if my husband comes in. Don't mind him. He'll just join in or not even pay attention. Exactly. Yeah, but I'm sorry. I took out. She lost the bidding war and she couldn't take it. She was got extremely enraged. I mean, this is a hell of a that's some behavior. That's some horrific behavior for the mother of the year. Go ahead, Leo. Yeah. She was see, voted what, mother of yeah, the year. We know that. But, you know, John, if she, you know, people that a mask of sanity some people wear is very thick. Okay, so she could win Mother of the Year. She could be superficially wonderful to the world, but what she doesn't get what she wants is when that mask comes off. And right. here we go. This, this, this you, you know what? It, this is stalking to, uh, on a whole new level. This is scary stuff. People were actually showing up at the house, and yeah. this woman was was ruining their credit. She was having you know people rapists show up for sex parties and all of this and the other thing. You know how do you sleep at night? This actually did major damage on um, the Rice's marriage because he became enthralled with home security and trying to figure out the safest way to protect his family, you know, and, and his wife got upset with him because she wasn't, he wasn't helping her take care of the kids and um, they're in counseling now. And God bless them. I hope they make it through this because the, the damage this psychopath did, this is another system, how, how the internet can, you know, ruin people's lives. Again, we're seeing that. And then this monster here, yeah, no, 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 this is the best part. She's, she's being diagnosed with post-traumatic stress disorder. Yeah, yeah after this, she traumatized them. They're uh-huh. suffering from post-traumatic this stress is, that, disorder. The, she traumatized I, them. Go ahead. But just here we go again with the, uh, the, the, the diagnosis, the, the legal way to try to make excuses up for, for uh, sick terroristic behavior you know she didn't get the house she wanted for her dream house so she has post-traumatic stress disorder yeah. she should go talk to these limbless veterans who were over in iran and iraq and right. afghanistan and you tell me about post-traumatic stress lady i'm sorry it pisses yeah. me off but what you know yeah. Yeah. um and she, she was convicted of stalking you got you know what she got what she, she got? got a year of home arrest, house arrest with electronic surveillance bracelet on, five years probation, and she cannot contact this couple for 10 years. Boy, did she <laughs> really, she really got the consequences there, don't you think? Yeah, I'd After say. what mm-hmm. she did, getting convicted of stalking and, you know, suggesting, uh, you know, rape and sodomy and everything. I mean, come on, on the internet. I know. Poor, these poor young kids. You know, and you know what? She got parent of the year by also Time Warner. Time wow. Warner gave her one of the 50 best parents in the San Diego area of the year. Wow, that's really telling, isn't it? I mean, she's a very good actress, I guess. Yeah. I'd love to know her history because she's got to have done more than this. But, you know, there's got to be more behind this story, you know. And, um, you know, what you, the, she, uh, the, the DA still says she's a dangerous person. And I agree with that. I think, you know, without provocation, she did this. And um, who knows what else she's done or is capable of doing. 
you know, and who knows if this couple's going to, you know, what's going to happen? How will they get through this? Who thinks you go, you buy a house, like I was saying before, you get on a plane in the morning and you don't know it's going to be your last day on the world because some psychopath crashes it. Now, this is nothing as serious as dying. However, who, you buy a house and you're happy, you got a new family coming, and then you start, your life starts being taken apart piece by piece, being threatened by, to be raped. People are showing up at your door trying to rape you, and this woman gets house probation. Yeah, I, 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 I can't believe that that's how, uh, how she got off. She got very little. And I, I, I would love to talk to this woman's neighbors <laughs> that she's had over the years and for a period of time, because I got a feeling this lady could have been the neighbor from hell. You think? You think? <laughs> <laughs> Nobody you think? in that neighborhood wanted to mess with her. I'll, I'll guarantee you. I'll well, she, guarantee you if they got a taste of her. She pleaded guilty. That's how she got off. She pleaded guilty to felony stalking charges, and um, she was sentenced on January 9th to home detention. It was always a plea bargain. But she was there were felony charges of soliciting rape, sodomy, and misdemeanor counts of identity theft and harassment. They were dismissed in change for her guilty plea. That's not fair. And to this couple, I'm sure they're not happy with that verdict. And they said they would like to forgive her, but they never really felt any true remorse was coming out of her mouth after this incident happened. Now, there's another narcissistic tendency. Remorse for what? Yeah. I lost my house. You yeah. you took it, and you have to be punished now. Yeah, I didn't want to pay up for the house. I didn't want to pay the money you paid, so it's all your fault. Exactly. You know. Let so me blame you. Let me blame you because I didn't put up enough money. I didn't bid high enough to get the house. So let me blame you. Let me take it out on you. And I'm spoiled and I'm filled with rage and vengeful rage. You know, there's there's such a thing as jealous rage and there's such a thing as vengeful rage. I mean, you're looking at a woman that's very jealous because these kids got this house. She didn't bid enough for this house. And you're looking at revengeful rage because she wanted revenge. She's blaming them because she came up short and didn't come up with enough money to buy the house and then bid high enough to buy the house. Well, so it's all it. their fault. Yeah. That's she, real narcissism. She, she real narcissism. It's, it's all narcissism, John, all narcissism and how easy it is to hide behind a computer and, and be uh, passive aggressive and then do all this destructive damage to people, you know, without ever being, you know, seen it's, it's scary stuff. And but your the, the, book is, God, I'm sorry. I was going to say then this woman, uh, the row has a ki a child. This, apparently this house was all, everything was on one floor. And she has a house that has disabilities of some sort. So she'd have to carry her up and down stairs and, and this, that, and the other. So that's why this house was perfect for them. Now you've got to tell me there's no other ranches in San Diego where everything's on one floor. I mean, this is just one excuse after another. Simply narcissistic. Yeah. We said yeah, she wants what she wants when she wants it. And exactly. you know what, Leo? Your book, Social Side, again, gets into all this different stuff about how people can stalk and how they can, um, you know, just destroy you on yep. the Internet and, and, and be camouflaged and not be seen and attack you in different ways. Her picture should be in your book. Yes, That's, it should. <laughs> I'll tell you what, she fits it perfectly.
When you Absolutely. were writing that book, this lady was being written about. And she didn't even know it, nor did you. Yeah. But she's in there. Holy, you're right. I can I can envision that, and and her right now as I think back on the, what I was trying to say, and how, who knows how many more of uh, these rows are out there in the world. So we ought to be careful. I always like to end the show by t- telling people: be careful out there online. Be careful everything you do, because uh, there's some uh, very strange and creepy, scary people out there. Yes, and on the homicidal and suicidal pilot, more will be revealed. Check with us next week. Yeah, we'll keep you posted on that, and we'll have plenty more. So thanks again for joining us on Crime and Reason and Talk Zone, and we hope to see you all back here next Wednesday, 8 o'clock. Have a nice Easter weekend, folks. Yeah, good evening. <laughs>